When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Stop Hammer Time. Uh, last night we played in the FA Cup and in fact, since the last time we spoke to you, we've played football three times. A win, a draw and a narrow defeat. Uh, and here to discuss those games of football are, as always, Jim Grant. Good evening. Everything all right? Yeah, it's very good. Thank you. Jolly good. Jolly good. Also joining us, it's great to have him back. He is uh, he is a uh, writer on uh, tech and video. He writes about technology and uh, and video, and he is uh, a director of newsroom innovation at the Telegraph. Uh, it's Dan Silver. Hello, Dan. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having me back. I'm also a former uh, sports editor at the Mirror, so I do have right. a, a kind of sports connection right. as well, yes. Yes. as well as being a long-suffering West Ham fan. But yes, great to be back. Thank you. Do at the Telegraph? Do you write about sport at the Telegraph? Yeah. Um, no. <laughs> yeah, I've got, I've kind of closed that chapter in my life. I'm, I'm not sure I'm allowed back in the sports journalist club anymore. Right. Right. No, because Sue Barker, Sue Barker won't have that. She <laughs> won't have it, Dan. So, um, so, um, so technology and innovation, two words that Jim has barely ever heard. Oh, I've heard the words. Jim, you're, um, <laughs> you've left Facebook. They're mere concepts. You're now on Parler, aren't you, Jim? You've, you've, uh, <laughs> You've changed <laughs> platforms, haven't you? You've switched platforms. Uh, I, I don't think I had a platform to start with, to be honest. Not not for that kind of thing. Should we all leave WhatsApp? That's the thing people are saying now, aren't they? Leave WhatsApp. They're all saying, Why? Damn, What's wrong with WhatsApp? It's data I've harvesting. only just caught up with WhatsApp. I think it's data harvesting. People feel that the ah, right, okay. is harvesting your information yeah. through WhatsApp, and people are saying you should leave it. Dan, right. Dan, any insights? Um, I would say you're probably okay. Um, I think WhatsApp's pretty secure, but I think you know there's lots of people are very concerned. I think I think being locked in our houses for 13 months is probably letting these kind of theories grow in areas where they they probably shouldn't do. So, yeah. oh yeah, I, I I think you're probably okay on WhatsApp, but if okay. your data gets harvested and and you know your your details get sold to someone in China, you cannot sue me for that. Because I, I it's not my account instantly. <laughs> <laughs> now, also, what's Telegram? Well, Telegram is another kind of WhatsApp, another WhatsApp-like encrypted messaging app that is very big in China. So, right, right. Um, I would imagine some of the stories around WhatsApp are probably emanating from people who who set to profit from other rival services like Telegram taking off. But again, you know, that's not my professional opinion. So no, please don't no, no. sue me if you work for Telegram. Now. Very right-wing people are seeking new platforms, aren't they? Because they're not allowed to say their things on like our platforms that normal people are on. So yes. they have found things like Telegram and Parler, haven't they? And Parler, is that like Facebook? What's that? I think Parler is is like a another kind of Twitter platform, Twitter-esque um sort of broadcast platform. But yes, it, it prides itself on, you know, not having things like filters for horrible racist people right, right, right. so it's yeah. somewhere you can go and be unfettered from the conventions of, of the woke society and these are, uh, <laughs> these are just items on a list i've got but i might stop because it feels like we're giving tips to very white wing people <laughs> i'd like to say i am i'm not on parlor and no, no, never no. like to go on parlor and have not been on parlor ever no. I feel I feel I've uh, led us down a rabbit hole that we should try and climb out of. Almost <laughs> Can we talk I about David Moyes? I had a third one on this list, but I'm not going to say what it is. Because, it, because I had a, just a keen amateur interest as a human hmm. being in what it was. But now I sort of think, uh, let's not tell everyone what it is, because they'll all join it. Well, yeah. you know, the people, the wrong type of people that... 
that we don't think should join it might join it. Although it is nice to have an area where those people can go and not bother the rest of us. So I that's right. I suppose yeah. that's right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Let them have their little cesspit. Yeah. As yeah. long as they're monitored, though, because they might be plotting to kind of shoot us and stuff. Yeah. Might they? Yeah. Like that, you know, bloke they, in they, Norway. They probably are now. Yes. <laughs> now we're probably on their hit list. Yeah. Tim, are you uh, a pro, uh, uh, are you uh, <laughs> proposing uh, uh, an extreme um, authoritarian regime to crack down on people communicating with each other on, on social media. <laughs> no, no. I, you're not suggesting a government-sponsored uh, social media <laughs> platform, are you? Uh, no, I couldn't care less about social media. Really, I, I, I don't really, I don't really do it. To be honest, I don't why. I, I can't see what the fuss is all about. Really. Right. Right. You've got all. Yeah. The, you've got all why the... don't you just sit down on a Sunday afternoon and write a nice letter? Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's not very innovative. Bring back, bring, bring back letters. You know. Well, I, I'm not. I, I'm, I don't have no claim. I don't claim to be innovative at all. I'm. I'm yeah. It's no, it's no good in my game. I, I can't go in a, as director of innovation no. suggest letter no. writing. No. That'd be printing no. out the news. You could, you could create a social media thing in which, which recreates the authentic delay time. That, that, and like when yes. when your when your message comes through to someone, it like unfolds like a letter and is written in kind of copper plate, and, um, and potentially doesn't arrive at all or gets yeah, delivered to somebody else. All, yeah, because somebody got intercepted by a highwayman yeah. who's who you know wearing a Trump hat. Yeah. Anyway, we played uh, three games of football in eight days, and uh, I think one conclusion which we'll come to is that perhaps we are we West Ham United FC are currently not equipped to play three games of <laughs> That's a lesson I feel I've learnt uh, in the last eight days, is that we're not equipped to play three times in eight days uh, due to our squad depth. But last night we played Manchester United in the FA Cup. What did we think, Dan? Um, well, obviously it was... As you say, I think a game very much too far, following a game that's also a game too far. So it was probably two games too far. Um, I mean, you know, I, I thought it was pretty... Two games obvious. too far. That's the bit they do at the end of match of the day too, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> two games yeah. too far. It, I, I thought it was fairly evident from the starting lineup that we were going to struggle, and I and I thought we'd lose much more comfortably than we did, which I think is credit to the shift that the players on the pitch did put in. Yeah. Um, and obviously, I think the the kind of enforced changes as well helped because in the in the first half we just didn't com- really compete at all. We we were it was like watching the kind of non-league team at Old Trafford kind of penned back in their own penalty box, hoping to get a corner and potentially, you know, get one nodded in at the far post. But in the second half, with the with the enforced change, with obviously with um, Diop coming on, then coming off again, and, and Fredericks and Ben Johnson, who I thought had a had a superb game, I think yes. that change that change of shape really kind of put us back in the game. And then I thought it was a much more even contest, but. You know, we we lost that game because we we basically didn't have any forward presence, and and that goes back to the the antics of January. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was it was just it was just an impossibly hard game for us to win in the circumstances as it proved. No, it was interesting how the um, the sort of first set of like uh, the first enforced substitution and then the changes at half time, which included the second enforced change, uh, improved us considerably, Jim. Yeah, I thought we were much, much better in the second half, yes. We um, good, I, thought. I thought we were um, good. Yeah, I thought, and I thought actually the, the, the changes worked not, not only in terms of um, freshening us up, but but actually countering Man, Man United. And, and uh, you know, if you look at the defensive side of the game, um, we did a fantastic job on them in the, in the, in the second half. Um, uh, and we actually had our moments going, going forward. We didn't create a great deal, but then again, you know, in terms of clear-cut chances, there weren't that many in the game um, no. uh, anyway. Um, and, and the ones that, 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 that Man United did create, I thought Fabianski was, was terrific. He had one of his better games uh, of late, I thought. Um, but, yeah, I, we looked leggy. We looked, we looked uh, lethargic in that first half, sat off them. All the problems that you, know, you, you, you get when 
um, the team that doesn't have a doesn't have an outlet, doesn't have a way out. So you've got nobody with pace or who's going to be able to get in good positions to hold the ball up. And Yarmolenko really, really struggled. Um, uh, and then so did Odebiko when, when, he, when he came on. We'll perhaps talk more about him later. Um, you know, it, it, was, it was a real problem for us. We couldn't get out of our half, could we? But uh, the changes definitely made us better. No. And we were in that game in the second half. You know, I felt as long as it could have gone either way. And uh, if anything, maybe it felt we were perhaps more likely to nick a lucky goal in that, in that, in that second half. Yes, um, yes. Um, yeah, we'll talk about the second half and extra time in a sec. I thought the, the one thing that happened in the first half was uh, it felt very similar to the Liverpool game in that suddenly our formation looked a bit exposed. Um, we looked, you know, when Liverpool had their very clearly four people in a diamond formation in, in, the, in the middle of the park, and we had officially two guys Rice and Suchek, and then some other guys that are supposed to be there, but are also supposed to be attacking the other team's goal. Suddenly the middle of the park looked very empty. And I thought that was the case yesterday as well. It seemed like there was a massive gaping hole in the middle of the park without any West Ham in it. Uh, And it seemed like we were unable to sort of link defence to attack. Um, whereas, you know, playing lesser teams, I mean, obviously, you know, Liverpool were a kind of a better team than a lot of the teams we had faced, even though it, you know, it, it was perhaps not their A team. Those guys they brought in are, are top flight footballers. And I, I think that kind of, uh, you know, they're sitting ducks. Why aren't we picking them off? Is was just a sort of bizarre idea that Liverpool were very good and needed to win that. Um but it does seem to be these are two occasions on which we played someone who is possibly, you know, kind of better than us and in a better uh, league position than us. And the same thing happened that we don't seem to, we lose the battle in the middle of the park and then we're kind of on a hiding to nothing when that battle's lost. We do but tend I, to, uh, so, sorry, Jim. I mean, well, I, I'm just saying a fit and firing Antonio would have made all the difference, you know, you uh, think because we would have had an outlet, you know. Yeah. But we do we do play a lot without the ball, and when you when you surrender the ball to teams of a much higher caliber, it's much more noticeable than when you surrender the team to the you know surrender the ball to the the Burnleys and, and Crystal Palaces yeah. and West Brom to this world. Yeah. You know, if if Man United if you let Man United have the ball, they will keep it and they will pass through you and they will you know you won't get it back again in a hurry. Yeah. So I think there is that. But I mean, a, a friend of mine has a, a theory that that Moyes in particular has a real inferiority complex when it comes to playing, quote-unquote, the big teams, or the top six. And I think you can see, certainly in, in the, the games we've played this season, we come out with a very different attitude against those kind of teams. You know, the, our season has been built on this bullish attitude, on the team spirit, on competing against Liverpool in the league, against Chelsea in the league, I thought against Man United in the first half last night, we just kind of shrink into ourselves. Yeah. And it's like, you know, we, it, it's like they're sent out thinking they can't, they're not on the same level as these teams. Whereas our, our league form and our league position suggests that we very much should consider ourselves, you know, at least worthy of being on the park against teams like this. I think it's quite interesting. I mean, they they quite often flash up stats about Moyes, you know, that he he hasn't won at at Old Trafford in 15 games. He's never won at Anfield. I just wonder if it's something in his makeup where, you know, he feels like he has to be the underdog or, you know, he, he just feels like, he feels like he can't send his teams out against those bigger teams to compete. Yeah, yeah, I wonder. Jim, what do you... There might well be something in that. I mean, I I, I, I felt... but I think as you know, it's it's difficult because I think there's something about that in the club's DNA anyway. That the, when yeah. the big moments come, we quite often freeze. You know, we don't we don't seize the day, seize the moment. You know, um, we're we're good at times when we're the kind of plucky underdog. But I mean, I, that you know, the BBC scheduled that game and they're kind of well, obviously, you know, Man United favourites and they're 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 in a, a decent run of form this season. You know, but but. That was a game, you know, second versus sixth in the in the in the Premier League. I mean, and and you're right. In for for an hour in the league, and in for an hour in the league game uh, at home against them, we absolutely dominated. We played them off the park. I thought so, um, and they were the ones that looked like they were in a shell. So I think you're. I mean, I think there is a, a potential element that we 
um, we, we, we sort of haven't really accepted that we're, uh, it, I think, um, I think Pellegrini might have talked about big team mentality, yeah. didn't he? I don't, I don't think, I, yeah. I don't think we have that as a club. And I think it takes a while to, for that to embed itself into the culture of a, and the mindset of a club, to be honest. I think it's very, very difficult. Yeah, exactly. You know, also, I mean, it's not helped by the fact that we're in a relegation dogfight every three years. Exactly. Exactly. So you're, you are a plucky underdog all the time in those situations, aren't you? you know, if you want a big team mentality, you have to start by surely being a big team, you know, or <laughs> at, least not, yeah. at least not a shit team. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 exactly. You know, I sort yeah. of feel... I feel you know, there, 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 there's a lot of disappointment on social media about last night and, you know, about the Liverpool game and about first half against Brighton, obviously. And, um, you know, I still, as I keep saying on this podcast, feel that we're sort of, you know, it's only a, a year ago that we were in a relegation scrap. And uh, I, I, I think that my big takeaway from the last three days is that we just don't have a squad that can play three times in a week. I thought... It was interesting. Um, there was, you know, very effusive praise for Rice, uh, and he was very good yesterday. I thought, but he was knackered at the end. Yeah. His his mistake sort of led to their goal, and I'm not for any, you know, scapegoating him by any means. But we looked sort of dead on our feet. Suchek Suchek looked tired the whole game. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, absolutely. He looks exhausted at the moment. I mean. I- um, I thought Rice was particularly good second half and extra, extra time. You know, he he sums up reserves of of stamina and energy, doesn't he? And, and, and takes really does take games by the scruff of the neck, or tries to anyway. Um, there just weren't enough, you know, legs to go with him. Really, um, I, I thought. I thought. You know, I, I I wouldn't put that game on the level of disappointing as of, of one or two others. Um, in fact, I wouldn't put it on the same level as disappointing as draw against Fulham, to be honest. Yeah, in terms was, of the performance, I was no. going to say the same thing. I thought I thought the Fulham performance was dreadful, and Shocking, and it was yes. it was a level up last night, and yeah. you know, yes, we seem to. Uh, I mean, there is a sort of pattern that we've fallen into, and I feel like I've seen this with West Ham teams before: of good performance, bad performance, good performance, bad performance. This that feels. I can't put my finger on times I've seen it, but I think at times under Redknapp that would happen. We'd have a good performance, you know. Often under Redknapp we were very good at home and struggled away. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, <clears throat> and you know the nature of the fixture list being as it is, that was often the case that you're playing at home one week and away the other week. But um, even outside of the home away formula. It feels like that happens. I bet I bet a lot of clubs fans say that. We're good one yeah. week, bad yeah. the other week. You know, I think that's probably not a thing that's unique to West Ham. But I think that's where Moyes has made massive improvements this season. He does seem to be changing that mentality. You know, we've we've had that this incredible run this calendar year since since um since New Year, where you know, we we won six out of seven in, in all competitions. I mean it's, yeah. you know, that just doesn't really tend to happen at, at West Ham. No, no. And that looked to be the thing that he has changed. And you know, even like you no, know, we're skipping back to Fulham, but that was an awful performance, but we didn't lose. You know, no, we, I no. mean I mean that's probably as much to do with Fulham's um, wasteful finishing as, as, as anything else, but we didn't lose it. He's kind of he has made us very hard to beat. Yeah. We tend to, we're winning more than we're losing. Yeah. So I hope that's the mentality change I want to see. And then you know, yeah. the big the big club mentality can come after that. The thing yeah. that Pellegrini didn't get right was you know the the small mentality change first, yeah yeah which we is stay making you a good we team stay in the game don't we we stay in no. the game for 90 minutes mm. and even the ones where like the Fulham performance which which you know um as you know and again we drew that we drew that game as we did the Brighton game you know we were seemed to have a very poor, poor, poor performance especially in the first half against Brighton but that game ended up a draw and you get a point for a draw you know and yeah. um yeah, we are staying in pretty much every game, even the games we play badly in and lose. You know, we we stay in them, and that's that's good. You know, the I Chelsea the, game, we stayed in that. We were in that all game. You know. Yeah, I think um, one of the sort of the striking things about last night is is how little we created in terms of attempts on goal. There was only three, yeah, yeah. three goal attempts in the in the entire game for us, and that's that has been unusual, and and and, and significantly in the Fulham. 
game we were you know they had 20 attempts and we had eight in that game yes um and that's that's in that those two statistics are an interesting development because up until that time even sometimes in games that we've not won we've tended to create more chances and have more shots on goal than the than the other team even on less possession it's been a kind of striking thing i've mentioned you know a number of times this season that we that that very typically we get about 35% possession but yeah quite considerably more attempts on on target and that's clearly to do with the way Moyes wants us to play a broadly counter-attacking um approach um and I thought you know we set up to do that and they and the players just couldn't couldn't deliver on it in the first half last night mm-hmm. you know Bowen I think he's another one that looks tired and, and is struggling a little bit yeah, at the moment. Yeah. um uh and and perhaps even four hours to an extent but certainly Bowen I thought was was has been ineffective for for a little while now, and yes, or yeah, not, not as effective last night, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, mm. Interesting. After the changes, um, uh, as we say, in, you know, in terms of the whole game, um, uh, Dawson had an excellent game. Rice was had a good game, uh, and Johnson was looked really good, didn't he? I really good. Was, yeah. I thought he was. Um, you know, he looks like a, a big, slightly fleshy young boy. You know. <laughs> Like uh, those, still got a bit of kind of puppy fat on him, and looks like a kid. Um, but he's, uh, you know, we've seen him a little bit under. I think we saw him a little bit under Pellegrini, didn't we? Um, yeah, play, he played the game at Man. I think his yeah. debut was away at Man City. Man City, he was right, away at Man City. in a game that Andy Carroll played, even dodgy I think. pen, didn't we? Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I think he's an indication of you know how um, some young players do need that gradual introduction and development you know coming into the team and he's he every time he plays now he's looking a little bit more kind of like he belongs thinks he belongs there and and a bit more confident and he you know with some first time balls and some one twos he picked up our tempo I thought I thought he was responsible for for the fact we upped it considerably in the uh uh, and Fredericks to be fair to him Uh, you like Fredericks Phil and I and you know, I think he's 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 done well when he's come on in 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 and played in recent games. Yeah, I like him. I like Fredericks. You know, I mean, the fact that Kufal is better than him is neither here nor there. He is quite yeah. good too. He was important to that Fulham team, and we felt very pleased when we managed to do that piece of business. Yeah. 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 And I think we should remain pleased and not sort of see him as like some idiot child that, <laughs> you know, being kept out of the team by other people. He's, you know, he's like a, he's a decent player. He's quite aggressive. And um, contrary to you know, what some people say, he does put in a good cross. He is patchy. Sometimes he, there are games where he doesn't put in a good cross and it doesn't beat the first man. But, you know, he is, you know, on paper, quite good at crossing and can do it, you know. Uh, it's pace, yeah. and, and, and pace. Pace the is pace so is... important at this level, and he's yeah. bloody quick, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what, what um, you know, we saw potentially the, the blueprint in the future with, with Masuaku to come back, of, of, uh, of, of Suval and, um, and Fredericks becoming a Cresswell and, and Masuaku on, on the right-hand side. It looks, yeah. That looks possibility, doesn't it? It looks, it looks as though Suval can play that. Yes. Right side of a three, as well as a conventional right back. Well, and we as saw well that, as wing back. We saw that doubling up on Grealish, didn't we? But um, but maybe just a, a word on uh, Odebiku in in that tone. Oh, um, <laughs> oh. Dan, what did you think? Man, I I felt for him. Um, I mean, he he has been like on social media. He's been built up. Obviously, his his under twenty three record is is quite something. Um, I mean, I I thought alarm bells were ringing when he came on against Stockport. I know he was only on for about five minutes, but I don't think he touched the ball. He was just kind of wandering around looking a little bit lost. Mm. And you're like, okay, well, that's, you know, your first first five minutes of football. Okay, that, you know, that's fine. You bed in, you know, get used to it. Um, but, you know, on on in some quarters, he had been touted as, you know, well, we don't need another striker because we've got Mipo mm. if, if Antonio gets injured. And it's like, this is an 18-year-old kid who has never played like top white yeah, football. Let's yeah. let's not forget that. I mean, yes, he might be the next Michael Owen, but he might also not be. And the chances are he's more likely not to be than to be. And yeah. I think as showed last night, he clearly wasn't ready for that level of introduction. And I mean, it was 
it was kind of heartbreaking to watch because he really did look like I think I would look if I was put in that position, <laughs> yeah. playing up front right. for West Ham it, against Man United. It was, it was mildly shocking, actually. He really looked as though he just wasn't capable of, of, of competing at that, playing at that level. He looked utterly out of his depth, didn't he? It was yeah. sad, really. <laughs> And um, obviously, getting subbed yeah. off again was um, was you know the the ultimate humiliation. But I think I don't know if you saw he has posted on Twitter today saying that you know he will learn from that, and you know he now has got a better idea of the level he needs to be at, and yeah. which is you know which is really great to see because you know it could have destroyed him, and you know he might never have played at this level again. He still might never play at this level again. But it shows I think that he's got some character and will hopefully come back for this. He's got. The kind of scoring record. I mean, don't forget he scored bags and bags for Manchester United's under 18s. Yeah. Um, he's got the kind of uh, and the fact that he made that move, that he made the decision to move to West Ham because obviously, you know, his ambitions wants wants first team football, thought he's more likely to get it at West Ham, I suspect. Um, he's got some, some some competition in front of him, hasn't he? Man, yeah. So um that suggests that he's got balls and he's got and he's got determination, and you just hope that um, with the right management, and, and I'm sure, you know I think Moyes' man management generally is, is Seagull. I think it's I don't think it's true that he was hung out to dry. He played seventy minutes of that game, wasn't it? You know, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Um, it wasn't. Um, and, and you know, there was a last ditch decision to send sort of Suchek to stand around and be big up front. Um, I th- hopefully, with the right management, he, he'll 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 draw strength from it in a way in the sense it's you know it, it's an it it is an eye opener he's going to have to work hard but he's you know he scores hatfuls at, at, yeah. at a low level and that's normally a good sign i mean you know he knows whether he's got a powerful shot on him um yeah uh, and and i just expected him to kind of run around and, and put himself about but he just seemed to freeze really yeah you know, like yeah the yeah. rabbit and headline again, you know yeah there was a there was there was criticism of Moyes for that you know substituting a substitute thing but but i you know i thought it was um understandable in that not only did he have three substitutions forced on him but the game went into extra time so yeah. you know it's a sort of you know, uh, Odubiku would have sort of conventionally made it to the end of the game without being substituted. But the fact is the game went into extra time. A load of enforced substitutions have been made early. Luckily, it was a cup game in which we were allowed to have, uh, you know, a bigger bench and five substitutions, plus the new rule for... um, uh, substitutions so in fact the you know the fact that he could make late substitutions and bring you know even as much as bringing Lanzini on to play you know the closing two minutes of the game was uh was quite an unusual set of circumstances um we sort of touched on resting players and uh going back now uh when the uh when the Aston Villa uh game happened and West Ham team came out I thought bloody hell that's uh that's pretty brave to drop for this game both Fornells and Bowen mm. because I thought they are the guys that sort of provide a lot of our tempo you know one of them you can drop but not really both of them and uh, then loan signing Jesse Lingard uh, came out and that game was a very good game wasn't it for us oh, yeah. Oh, I think that wow, that was yeah. one of our best performances of the season. I, agree. I I thought after I think that's what made the Fulham game so disappointing coming off the back of that because that really felt like we not that we turned a corner because we we're going in a pretty straight line anyway, but it felt like right now we can really kick on because it was a combination. I mean, Moyes' tactics were spot on, you know, doubling up Fredericks and Kufal on Grealish. I mean, Grealish did not get a kick. And, you know, um, there's a, a fair bit of psychology in the build-up to the game. Moyes saying he was the best player in the Premier League. I think Kufal said he was the best player in the Premier League. You yeah. know, they were obviously building him up to to then kind of nullify it. Um, and it worked, it worked like a dream. And, you know, Lingard, you know, a, a kind of new, fresh an unknown force for us in the midfield. It, it was just, it all worked perfectly. The team, if you know, they battled, they knew what they were doing, they were organised, they had a, a plan, they executed it perfectly. We scored some really good goals. The third one was yeah. was obviously down to the, the keeper. But, you know, Ben Rama's pass for, 
for Suchet in his finish was, was superb. It was great football, a great was. tactical plan executed. And it was like, right, OK, this is it. We're now up and running for the, the run into the season. And then mm. it kind of fell apart. But it was, a, it was a fantastic performance. I think Moyes deserves a lot of credit for that. Yes, I think we did to Villa what uh, Liverpool did to us. Uh, Villa couldn't get on the front foot. Clearly a competent outfit full of good players. They simply couldn't get the the initiative. And once they hadn't got it, they remained without it for most of the game, I thought. You know, they had a sort of spell second half, but you kind of expect that. And uh, we kind of soaked it up because we knew what to do. Partially because you knew they would try to get the ball to Grealish. (laughs) You know, I mean, that's kind of, that's a real benefit to playing a kind of, you know team where one player is that team's show pony you know yeah yeah quite, quite a lot of the punditry afterwards was oh it's an off night for Villa I, I don't agree at all I think we stopped no. them playing we absolutely stopped them playing we pressed high we nullified their threat yeah and they, they didn't know what to do with the ball that's not no, an off night that's, that's being outclassed no that absolutely I couldn't agree more in a very similar it was a very similar job that we did uh to Leicester earlier in the season um, did it to Palace, you know, uh, Wolves. There have been games where we have um, absolutely squeezed the life out of teams and, and you know, taken chances really, really well when, they, when they've come. Um, so, yeah, it, it, I agree with you that the, the Fulham game, you know, has the context of that coming in and, and, and does make it all the more, all the more disappointing. But I thought, I, I thought it was, I agree, I think it was an outstanding uh, performance a great debut from Lingard reminded me of of Sinclair getting his two goals on his on his debut yeah. he, he was just absolutely terrific and the interplay you know considering he's only been at the club a few days between him and Ben Rama and Antonio and whatever you know the, it was just a joy to watch and you're right you know the goalkeeper could have done better with the third goal but he had to those two strikes and he just hit the target made the goalkeeper yeah. make it safe and he, he put his laces through both of them. I mean, they were well-hit shots, you know. Well, as did Suchek. Suchek sort of hit it across the keeper to the yeah. far post. And that sort of is... It felt like the keeper had sort of narrowed that angle. But Suchek hit it so fucking hard that even though it's like a kind of, um, you know, daisy cutter, you know, it's just, it, it was just low and very hard. Um, but what a pass for the assist. I mean, yeah, you know, the, the, everything about that. The Antonio, Antonio's strength again, <clears throat> um, that first time ball defence splitting pass, you didn't have to take a touch, ran on it and smacked it in the back. You know, yeah. Ben Rama has really shown glimpses, I think, in, in, in the last few games of, of, of what a player he potentially could be. And again, I think we've just got to be patient and... Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I think uh, I, I don't know if he feels that the fact he hasn't scored is a bit of a kind of millstone around his neck. But fans are beginning to make a thing of it. I just, I, just, just the goal will come, and uh, I, I think he's starting to look really, really impressive. I think Villa was his best game for us, and for that to happen at the same time as Lingard playing so well, meant that we just we just blew them away in, in attacking terms. Yeah. Um, I agree with you about Duke Grealish. I think Sufal was fantastic against him. But don't forget, Grealish still did put in a beautifully weighted ball himself yeah. for an assist in that game. Yeah. So even though you keep in quiet, but I mean, I mean, I hate him. He's a cheating bastard, <laughs> but he's a fucking brilliant player. Um, Although they, 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 did have to, they did have to move him over the other side of the pitch for him to do that, though. So, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, no, exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But you know, uh, he pops up and he does. You know, he 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 manages to contribute even even though we've kept him quiet for that length of time. You know, it was, it was great in that game how you know we did manage to sort of create whatever. Uh, whether it was the pressing or the tempo or a mixture of both, we did manage to create that and generate that without Bowen and Fornells, who are. Yes two of the players that provide the kind of energy in the middle of the park. And um, it did feel that Ben Rama stepped up, not in terms of, uh, not just in terms of his technical, you know, prowess, but also he did play with a lot of energy. And and actually, he, I think he does generally, Ben Rama. He covers a lot of ground. He sort yeah. of speaks the ball out. And that's what you want, isn't it? You want, you know... Yeah, I think I think it's clear that's Moyes' kind of big issue with him that when he first came in. I mean, you know, I, I don't think it's a, a secret that Moyes didn't really fancy him and that he might have been foisted upon him by by our owners. But you know, he he's 
his constant kind of ragging on him in press conferences that, you know, he needs to work hard, he needs to step up to this level. You know, it, it, it felt a little bit wearying to hear that week in, week out, but you can see the benefits of that now on the pitch because he does work really hard for the team. He does close down, he chases back, which, you know, he, he wasn't really doing at the start and he probably didn't, didn't have to do that much of that in the championship but Moyes is really kind of turning him into a team worker and and you, you do kind of worry maybe that would be at the expense of his kind of attacking instincts and flair but, but I think what was interesting for me was the way that Lingard kind of freed him up in that sense as well yeah, because yeah. suddenly he had someone to combine with and yeah. I, I don't know if he, he necessarily has that when he's playing, you know, with Antonio, with Fornells, where someone that he can work off and make the little one-twos yeah. and get in behind. And, and Lingard just really opened that up for him. And I think we saw, like, the best of both sides of his game there. And I'm I hoping mean, that that'll kind of liberate him when, when Lingard and Ben Rama get to play again. I mean, those players do need sort of someone else that's on their wavelength, don't they? You know, when Paye played for us, Mark Noble was 50% better as a footballer because, you know, things he tries work when, you know, the person you pass it to just diverts it with one touch into Antonio's path or, you know, Lanzini's path. You know, everything sort of works when someone is on your wavelength. That, you know, the game, uh, the away, um, sorry, the cup game against Doncaster, you know, even though they were lower league opposition, uh, they're going quite well. And uh, Lanzini and uh, Ben Rama together uh, were a fantastic combination because those players can read each other. You know, they're, it's back to the playground for them, you know, uh, yeah. or five aside where the ball moves quickly and you anticipate where the ball is going to go. You know, let's remember, you know, before Yarmolenko's injury playing Manchester United and Arnautovic and um, uh, Yarmolenko just being able to find each other with their eyes closed because they're both technical footballers with technical ability. You take one of those and put them in a team with cloggers, they're not going to transform that team. You know, Ben Rama, for him to be at his best, is going to need people around him that are like him. We can't go, hey, we're a a team of sort of hard-working vanilla footballers and we're going to transplant Ben Rama into this team. He'll make us brilliant. That won't happen. He's got to have at least one friend on the pitch that is on his wavelength and that when he backheels it into their past, they're going to be there and not running in the other direction, you know. Yeah, but yeah, he needs an enabler, and I think yeah. I think Lingard would be his enabler for sure. But I do think that that goal thing is a worry. I mean, I'm personally desperate for him to score just yeah. to get that off his back. I really felt for him in the Doncaster game actually when Athelain came on and scored with pretty much his first touch. You could see Ben Rama going, "What have I got to do to get a goal?" You know, it's see, it just. It, is not going right for him and you do get the sense that if he gets one he'll start he'll get a hat-trick you know <laughs> yeah. the, the floodgates will open but we just he need he arguably had the best chance of the game tonight yeah yes he did. Uh, yeah. either side of the keeper yard either side of the keeper that's a goal isn't it he just headed it straight at him so yeah yeah, yeah. Um, yes yeah. absolutely uh and then uh well let's talk about this uh after this message If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. Welcome back. Uh, yes, so uh, that was a wonderful game. Yeah, bro, yeah, definitely one of our best performances of the season, if not the best. And uh, then, uh, then it didn't happen against Fulham. And uh, what do we, what do we, what do we? Oh think? We God, that was a miserable game. I've almost expunged it from my from my memory. Really, just, just, you just felt you know one piece of frustration after another. You know, 
um, they were good, weren't they? They had to be fair to them. They played well. Yeah. For them. Um, and I think they've got some players in Lookman, Loftus, Loftus Cheek. I've always liked as as, as a player. I, yeah. I always feel he's someone that you know. If Chelsea don't really want him, we should possibly be on, be on our radar to sign. He's 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 quite big and powerful and quick and good with the yeah. ball at his feet. Um, so. Uh, you know they were good. We just yeah we were lackluster. We were we gave the ball away too much. We just didn't seem to be collectively, you know, on it. And whether or not that was a a tiredness thing or whether it was a, a reaction, it's difficult to say, isn't it? Sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it has been since the turn of the year. This program has been relentless, hasn't it? It's been you know, yeah. it's been two games a week for the whole you know for pretty much the entire time. Uh, and, um, you know, this last week, three. So, um, you know. I mean, certainly Lingard seemed to have, I mean, he was he ran and ran and ran in socks off against Villa, didn't he? But he, he did, there yeah. was definitely a react. He, was, he looked leggy against uh, Fulham, didn't he? Yes, Though, he in, did. Interestingly, with Bowen sort of back in the side, and Bowen tends to cut in a lot, I think that, that really restricted the space that Lingard could play in because with Fredericks on the wing against Villa, you know, yeah. that created so much space for Lingard to, to go into pockets and pick up the ball. And, you know, he kept having Boeing kind of coming in. So that space wasn't there. And it is quite a narrow pitch at Craven Cottage as well. And I just think yeah. he just yeah. didn't have any, any room to get on the ball and we couldn't get the ball to him. Yeah, and that's that's just, that really did kind of new his, his attacking threat. But I thought Fulham were really good. You know, I think they're, a class above, you know, the West Brom at the bottom of the table, they just can't score goals. And, you know, no. we saw evidence of that at the weekend. But, you know, they, they were at us from pretty much from the kickoff. They were straight into us. Yeah. And you know, we we just went, you know, we, I don't think we could really compete with those energy levels. Although, you know, bizarrely, if Kufal had put his head an inch under the bar, then we would have yeah. won that game. But, yeah, yeah. But, that's probably the best chance, yeah. Yeah, but I, yeah. I can't really think of anything else of note that we created. I think, I think like you, Jim, I've just kind of wiped it out of my mind. <laughs> They're just all yeah. coming too fast and blending into one at the moment. Yeah, it's a sort of, you know, it's a huge relief to have uh, six days off before the next game. I mean, you know, like traditionally players have a, a, a week off unless there are cup games, but we're sort of pleased to just have six days before they've got to kind of get out there and do it all again. Um, you know, but this we will have, uh, you know, Lindgaard will be back. Um, uh, you know, ironically, it is, he. Uh, you know, I think he is a, a good acquisition in that window because... You know the, the 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 midfield is the engine of the team. Obviously, it would have been great to get a some kind of competent striker, yeah. just anyone in the window, just a loner or someone, uh, because Antonio and then Yarmolenko uh, were about to be injured. Um, but uh, just uh, freshening up our attacking play. Uh, with someone that can keep the ball and shovel it along, but also make something happen, defence splitting pass. I think Lingard was a very good, uh, you know, Lingard on a, on a loan was a, was a really good piece of business because he fits, you know, our style of play extremely well. Yeah, and, and also he is a very good footballer and we tend to forget that, um, yeah. you know, from from the kind of media narratives that, that get spun. But um, there's a, a, a guy on, on Twitter, West Ham fan, Alex V, who, who kind of made a point a while back when we were linked uh, with Phil Jones and, you know, all of West Ham Twitter was, oh, you know, what do you want Phil Jones? What do you want Phil Jones? But, you know, the players that, that spend a lot of their career developing at elite clubs tend to be a better level of footballer. And, you know, I think Phil Jones for, you know, while he may have quote-unquote flopped at Manchester United, put him in a team like West Ham and he would be levels above the kind of player we normally sign because he has had that elite development. I think the same with Lingard, you know, quote-unquote his career is off the, rail, off the rails, you know, he's lost his way. He's technically a very gifted footballer because he's spent a decade or more developing yeah. at one of the elite clubs in the world and put him in our team. And he has that technical ability that is beyond the type of player we tend to sign. And it yes. really shows. When Lingard first kind of appeared, uh, I, I can't remember if it was in amongst the crop of new Manchester United players or the crop of new sort of international players, uh, maybe that Southgate brought in. But I definitely thought he was like 
head and shoulders above a lot of his peers. Um, you know, when we saw him for Manchester United and for England, <clears throat> he just seemed to play with a little bit more swagger, but also he was quite direct. He's got a, an eye for goal. You know, he was <clears throat> didn't just feel that he was part of the build-up play. He sort of um, was much more like a kind of, uh, you know, the sort of withdrawn striker that, that Frank McAvenny was, you know, is, is up for scoring goals, but is also has an element of the playmaker about him, could play in midfield, could be, you know, and in this, the you know, this this new reality of front three players that are half midfielder, half striker, Lingard seemed to be the one that I, you know, certainly in those days thought was most like that, you know. And uh, so I'm sort of, you know, I was always pleased for him when he did well for England and sort of thought it was weird how he just disappeared from Manchester United as they bought more and more new midfielders. And I'm sort of thinking, haven't these guys got one? Like they're getting Herrera in and Pogba and all these people. You know, there's that Dutch guy that can't get in the fucking team now who played played a bit last night, didn't he? McTominay. Uh, I'm going, where's that guy you used to have? Don't you, can't, doesn't he play? Yeah. Uh, and, and then the narrative is always a flop or his career is over. But, you know, he's still a very good footballer. He just cannot get in that team and he will walk into a team like ours, as, yeah, yeah. as I think he showed against Villa. And, and when he gets his match fitness back, I, I think it'll be very hard to, sl- to dislodge from that team. Yes, I kind of yeah. fear, from La- fear for Lanzini a bit because I think, you know, this yeah, might be the end of his yeah. West Ham yeah. career. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah. But I, it's it's time, you say, because it, we're clearly going to have to play with a sort of a sort of fluid attacking, uh, you know, call it false nine or, or whatever, you know, we're going to have to do that because that's that's really all we've got, especially if Antonio is out for an extended time. So, um, you know, you're going to have to look, he's going to have to look, isn't he, at having uh, maybe Bowen playing more centrally and running channels um, and then, you know, three of those attacking midfielders behind him perhaps or something something like that, you know, Fornells, um, Ben Rama and, and Lingard behind him. Um uh, although obviously, as I said, you know the the, the possibility of playing a, th- a three with Cresswell and Souffal in the back three, and then getting your your Fredericks and your Johnson, and then eventually Arthur, that that that's a possibility going forward as well, isn't it? So yeah, and it know, could, the, with a playmaker, give you a kind of front two. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. Um, like like that sort of three at the back we had under Harry with Berkovic kind of in the hole and then Harsin yeah. sitting in front of him. Well, you know? I like it when Ben Rama comes more central anyway. I, I think, you know, it's probably ultimately where he where he needs to play, where he can really uh, impose himself on a game a bit more. I think he can he can get, any player can get a little bit detached from things when that, as we showed with, you know, with Grealish on the on the left yeah. wing. Um, so, you know, you, you, can, you can get cut out of the game a little bit, can't you? Yeah, and, and I mean, obviously, it's not ideal in our striker situation, but I think possibly Yarmolenko's injury might be a blessing in disguise because yeah. persevering with Yarmolenko up front, I think, would be worse than, than possibly not having anyone up front at all. And so Moyes being forced to experiment with Benarama, with Bowen, with Lingard, I think will will bear more fruit in the end than than just having Yamo fall over every time he gets challenged and yeah, wave his think, arms I looking think, for a free kick. Uh, one of the lessons of that first half is that it's not going to work with Yarmolenko in that yeah. central position because he's not got the pace to run in behind. He, he, he hasn't got the, the striker's instinct to just to, to cut, to, 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 to drop deeper, to pick up the ball. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's good. The, the ball will stick to him. He's good in possession, but, but, um, and you could see that he could play centrally in certain systems, but the way we want to play he's he's just not it's not him is it you know it's not an easy job I mean there's a there's a kind of sort of sense in which um you can you can possibly see why any old striker wouldn't do for Moyes in the window because it's got to be someone who's got strength and power pace you know has got a has got a skill set to match Antonio's I mean uh which is actually more important than clinical finishing uh, in the way the way we play um, yeah. because Antonio yeah. is not a clinical finisher as we as we know. But um, you know, I think I think, you know, that that search for the right I mean, they've got to invest big and they've got to invest wisely uh at the front end of the of the team and they and they've got to get a quality central midfielder in to provide competition and 
backup you know, respite for yeah. for um, Rice and and, and um, Suchet. And of course, you know, there's still the very strong possibility that we'll lose Rice. Yeah. In the summer, anyway. Yeah, I think I think that by far the the worst consequence of, of Mike Dean's kind of brain fart at the end of the game against Fulham was thinking we'd be out out without Suchet for three games. It's like who the hell would have played in our midfield? Yeah. You know, Noble yeah. can't play back there, and we don't have anyone else. I mean, that no, that would have been a, a huge loss, probably a bigger loss than Antonio losing Suchet. And God forbid if either him or Rice gets injured for the rest of the season, we're in we're in a lot of trouble. It'll have to be utility man for now, won't it? I'd have thought. He's got, yeah. he's got legs to do it, if nothing else. I think Moyes really likes uh, uh, Noble, though. Uh, well, like... yeah, go on. You, well, there was, a, was there a but coming? <laughs> oh, definitely, yeah, yeah. Uh, but he's not the one. Um, <laughs> no. you know, I, I thought you know, Noble grew into that game and had a decent did, yeah. second half, uh, to be fair to him. But, yeah. but uh, you know... Um, he, I think he. You know, we all know he's nearing the end of his days at this level, isn't he? You know. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's interesting because because Moyes likes him, but the Moyes' system doesn't like him. No, that's right. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it, you know, it it just yeah. needs a bit more energy. It does. It makes it a shame, and we've said this before that we just didn't hang on to Cullen because mm. it seems like, you know, whatever you think of him, he's a sort of he would be a utility player that's an understudy to to one of Rice or Suchek if they go missing. You know, not as good, but that's what that's what squad players are. They're not as good as your starting eleven, you know. And uh, Yeah, and his pre-season appearances, he looked promising. You know, I think everyone thought this was going to be a season where he might start putting pressure on people in the team and then, yeah, and then he was gone. I mean, I think, uh, I think there's been quite a lot of questionable recruitment decisions in and out this season um yeah. and i'm sure that will all come out in the wash at some stage but cullen seemed particularly mystifying it's like what could he have done to to deserve yeah. getting run out of town it was like it yeah. really did seem um on a quest to just uh try and monetize as many players in their team as they could it felt like you know um we had spent too much money under Manuel Pellegrini and, you know, rather than drawing a line under that, we had to actually claw some money back rather than sort of saying, well, that money's gone. We haven't, ha- we haven't got as much to spend this window, which clearly was what they were saying, but they were also saying, and we must claw some money back. We have to sell to buy. Yeah. And, um Although that, it can no, only it can only have been pennies that they clawed back from Cullen. He was absolutely on, he was on you know peanuts and we didn't get a, a fee for him. Or if we did, it was it was you know a token. It's no, like, it just not, seemed it seemed a mystifying decision at the time. Yes, absolutely, yes. they um, they clearly like Coventry though, don't they? And he is very yeah. similar. They're very similar players. Um, well, we I, need to I mean, seeing him then. Yeah. Well, I I mean, I, to, to be honest, I think. Um, from Allardyce onwards, and uh, you know, we've, we've James Gurns who was due to be on tonight, wasn't it? Was, was has talked to, talked about this in the past. You know, I think from Allardyce onwards, there, there seems to have been a neglecting of the of the of the academy traditions of the of the club. I mean, our under twenty threes are getting their arses handed to them on a regular basis at the moment, um, having got promotion last season. Um, and you know, there we've 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 really got to start focusing on that. And I'm sure that's one of the things that Moyes will be targeting to look at the recruitment of young players um, and and looking at, at, at the way in which they're being brought through. Because the best way to do all this, you know, especially yeah. if if finances are going to be if clubs are going to be under pressure in the in the uh, next few years, is is to grow your own talent. I mean, we've shown yeah. that with Rice. You know, I mean, you know, um, it, it's what all clubs should be looking to do and we have you know we've got a tradition of it as well you know yeah um um but at the moment we're we're kind of kind of generating players for for the vinerama vanarama national league aren't we i mean that, that's yeah. the kind of level they're at um and we need we need you know hopefully the scouting is going on and we, we're getting people in um, yeah, because yeah. they'll get a game, won't they? I mean, Moyes is willing to play. It's not he's you know it's not like he's not Allardyce in terms of his attitude to youth, is he? No, no, they get no, 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 yeah. 
yeah. Uh, well, we should probably wrap this up fairly soon. Um, there seems to be going tits up for the women's team, and I don't mean that as some bad pun. Uh, women's team's going badly. You know, they sort of um, the because it's only one team that goes down, isn't it? And Bristol City was so far adrift that it seemed that you know we could routinely fuck it up week after week and still not go down. But now we're really in that scrap. We only managed yeah. to draw with Bristol City, and uh, yeah. it seems like we could actually be the team that you know, despite having our own TV series, could uh, fall out of the you know that league and. Well, they've, they've brought this New Zealand manager in. Yeah. Um, and he clearly... Uh, I watched the game against Man City. Right, 4-0. Um, uh, the 4-0 debate. And, and um, well, that, that was another case of sort of just how giving... I mean, they, Man City are just another level above. You know, there's a big yeah, gulf yeah. in class. But we were way too respectful of them. We just kind of just... You know, and then actually towards the end of the first half... Um, we started. They had a, one or two attacks, and and they actually looked quite decent when 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 we got going. Um, but he wants them to play a, a different kind of different kind of game. He wants them to be a bit more high energy, high press. You know, so he's going to have to. I mean, that's going to affect recruitment. I think he's got to. He needs he needs more pace, and more legs in that in that team. I think they've, they've got long long hosted midfield struggles to just keep up with the pace of it. Um, one or two of the others are a bit. Are a bit, a bit slow now, you know. A little bit players, of a, cold. a little bit of a cold, didn't they? The, yeah, uh, yeah. And they got Raymond's rid of Lehman, and they got rid of the yeah. South Korean uh, girl in the middle of the park as well. <clears throat> Both went to more high function. Well, there's only one lower <laughs> functioning team in the entire division, Bristol City. So any transfer would probably take them to a kind of higher functioning team. But um, uh, the two that left would probably be going. This is great. I'm going to like a good team. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, uh, um, although you know, I think that was a, that's a very good example. Of, you know, Layman's been been pretty much a fixture, hasn't she, for a couple of seasons? But mm. she's quick and a, and not a bad finisher, but but not a not a relisher of a battle. You know, not a presser, not a. You know, I think we noticed that when we when we went to that cup semi final, didn't yeah. we? That, that that she she didn't she didn't relish the scrappy side of the game, uh, yeah. and that was a very scrappy game. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, hopefully, give him time and a chance. Of, you know, they should probably do do it. Just have enough to stay up. I would have thought. Yeah. And, uh I'd go again, I suppose. On the men's team, we have uh, Sheffield United next Monday, don't we? Yeah. Um, Eight days off. That? Jesse yeah. available. Yeah. I kind of. I'm. I want to be confident, but I. I my my heart is is a little troubled by this one. I think Sheffield United are one of those teams that traditionally we struggle against. I, I was amazed when we won up there early in the season, you know, yeah. that I would that's the kind of fixture we never win. And and again that was a sign that Myers was was, you know, kind of changing the mentality and attitude of this team. But I think this will be a really tough game for us. I think, you know, they they are in a in a bad league position, but I think they're they're not that bad a team. And I think they'll battle and they'll fight and I think we're going to have to really be on it to come out with it with something. That said, I think we're going to win two now. <laughs> I, I completely agree with everything you said there. And I think the fact the fact that they are so cut adrift so seems so means that they they've got a kind of slightly cavalier shit or bust sort of kind of kind of approach to the game at the moment that they showed at Man United. They went for them and they they got a win. Um, they are spectacularly toothless, even more so than, than Fulham. Uh, and that's what's cost them, isn't yeah. it, really? Mm. Um, uh, yeah, I think it'll be really, really, really tight. I think we'll, we'll, we'll win 2-1. Uh, I think we'll be, we will have, should have too much for them, but I don't think it'll be an easy game, I agree. Um, last week, of course, I, uh, my, my prediction of the Aston Villa result uh, proved... Uh, <laughs> Uh, eerily prescient, uh, I predicted uh, uh, Aston Villa one, West Ham three, uh, and that was that was the score. Uh, so not only did I predict the number of goals, which, as we've established, is the most important thing in a prediction, I delivered uh, 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 the relative quantities of those goals. I managed to intuit accurately. Okay, so can I point out that my prediction was two all, so I did get the number of goals right. 
Well, that's you get half a point for that, Jim. You were claiming a full point earlier earlier on. A full, okay, well, you get season. one point, uh, but okay. I, I get more. I get more yeah. points. Uh, He's annoyed that I predicted the three-three at Tottenham. That's that's really riled him. He can't get over that. Uh, yes, because that was the kind of extravagant, the kind of <laughs> extravagant, optimistic. Uh, well, no, just extravagant. Uh, that's, uh, yeah. that's quite a showboating prediction through, yes. your, through all the way. It wasn't Tottenham. looking good with eighty-one <laughs> no. minutes gone. Yeah, I predicted a. Uh, Swansea one, West Ham four. You did. You uh, did. But we went to. We did go to it. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and saw it happen live, and uh, that's uh, even more so than the uh, uh, Liverpool nil, West Ham three that I also predicted. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Okay. He's spotting <laughs> them all out now. Yeah. There are, there's so few of them that he can <laughs> he can remember them all. Have, have you kept a record of these? Uh, just uh, well, only in the form of memories. And, <laughs> and tattoos. <laughs> so come on then. What's what's going to happen against Sheffield United? Um, uh, Sheff- is it up there? No, it's here. No, it's here. Is it well? Or, well it's not here. It's uh, at, West at Ham United. Stadium. West Ham United. Uh, West Ham United three. Sheffield United one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that is my prediction. Yeah. Well, that's probably about it for this week's uh, Stop Hammer Time. Uh, um, so win, Lord, win, lose, draw. That's 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 all right. That's a little good haul for a week's football, I think. You know, we uh, got four points from the league and we're narrowly edged out of the FA Cup. It was a shame, but, you know, uh, the second half and extra time was sort of, you know, it was a sort of, it was a fairly decent watch. The first half was pretty rough. I was doing a lot of uh, getting up and going to the fridge in the first half and coming back and nothing had happened. Uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, you know, yes. And we did save the nation from Mrs. Brown's boys as well. We so, did, yes, that's, that's, awesome. oh, that's good. Excellent byproduct. My name has been Phil Whelans. This has been Stop Hammer Time. With me this week have been Jim Grant. Cheerio. And Dan Silver. Good night. Come on, you irons. This is a playback media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at westhampodcast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.